Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today we are going to talk about how to get our horse, and I'm going to put this in quotation marks here, on the bit. So uh, some of you who are listeners that are my students (laughs) will know I'm not a big fan of the term on the bit because all it really suggests is the arc of and the angle of the neck and the neck flexion. Whereas truly what we are trying to achieve with our horse is postural alignment and postural stacking for soundness to carry us. The better and with more straightness and balance that our horse learns to stack its posture, the better and the easier it is to progress through the training scale. If we create a frame to the detriment of the straightness and the balance of our horse's posture uh, early on, we're going to limit our potential to move through the training scale. Because if our horse compensates its posture, you know, in the very first entry level of our training with our horse for flat work and for dressage, and you try to then progress them, all you are progressing is dysfunction and compensations. This training comes with an additional YouTube video uh, because some of these theories are going to be quite hard to picture without seeing it actually happening with the horse so check out the show notes to get the link for the video training on our youtube channel where we are going to discuss why um you know applying artificial aids like chambon side reins anything that's going to tuck our horse into a false frame is uh, detrimental and dysfunctional for their posture and potentially just going to lead to lameness where you have a horse more out of work than in work Alright, so let's start with uh, what is hollow and why do we want roundedness from our horse? So all of our horses are going to start off as green horses working with hollowness and flatness of stride. What this means is that we are going to sit on their back and they are going to go, oh crap, I now have to carry a human. So their back sags, uh, their shoulders get tired, their back gets tired, and the movement flattens, their body gets elongated, they get what's called on the forehand. What that means is, if you think about if you're at the top of a hill 
and you were running down the hill and you didn't control your speed, then you just gain more and more and more momentum until you were super unbalanced and you fell over your face. That's basically what riding a green horse is like. <laughs> the way that we sit on their back changes their center of gravity and where they hold themselves from. So our horses, our green horses, are that person at the top of the hill running down, not holding themselves, and they just get faster and faster and more and more unbalanced until they fall over. So our green horses have two options. They're either going to stop dead, just like stop still, uh, because they need their body to catch up with themselves, or they're going to get faster and faster and faster and faster and more and more and more unbalanced, and then potentially they might start bucking because they can't control their body anymore. Like they're getting too unbalanced. The only way that they can not fall over is to buck. Uh, so that is working with our green horses. Now, if you're the person at the top of a hill, you're running down the hill and you kind of like hold yourself as you're running down the hill so that you don't pick up momentum and you don't lose your balance and fall forward. That is what we are doing when we're riding a half halt with our horse. We're saying, hey, don't forget to balance yourself. Don't forget to balance me. Maintain forward with balance. And so this is the foundations of training that often get rushed because obviously like, you know, people who are breaking in horses, they don't have very time, very time, very much time to do all of the things that we need to do with a green horse to create a safe horse that can confidently look after its rider. It takes time for a horse to learn how to find its balance underneath the rider. It takes time to teach the horse all the cues that it needs to know to communicate clearly in the saddle. It takes time to develop the emotional self-regulation skills to not um, just have a meltdown or get frustrated when they don't know what the answer is or get stressed or scared or spooky. All of these things take time and time for breakers is not what they have a lot of. And then depending on what the situation is, is if someone's breeding it to breeding in the horse to break in to sell then you know there's there's even less time to try and get that good quality before selling the horse on and so then you know our horses get moved on to their first home uh with sketchy foundations and they get to a certain level of training maybe we have some behavioral issues and then they decide that this horse isn't the right horse for me and then that gets moved into another home and then we've got sketchy foundations, confused horse, behavioural problems with more sketchy foundations and this is where we're going to start getting horses with some big problems. They're getting moved from home to home to home. So our job as our horse's owner and trainer is to help them understand how to balance themselves and how to use their body. We're trying to ask them how to balance themselves and use their body in a way that is of benefit to them. When we are taking on our judges' critiques, and even for people who are taking on instructors' critiques who have students that are taking on judges' critiques, I know that one's a bit confusing, uh, if we are setting our expectations for how the horse should work on 
how pretty its frame is, not on how functionally and soundly it moves, then we are rewarding and reinforcing the wrong things in our horses. So let's go back to that green horse. So on the forehand, what that means is its balance is in its chest and its shoulders, and the forwardness comes from the way that it pulls itself with its chest and shoulders. The balance is in the chest and the shoulders, and because the skeletal system, the vertebrae of the neck, come up through the underneck, when the balance is on the forehand, the balance is also in the underneck. And that's what we talk about with hollow um, and with the U-neck, is that they're kind of like flexing the muscles in the underneck that support the vertebrae to hold their balance. Their balance is in their chest and their shoulders and their underneck and they're what we call disengaged. So that means that the hindquarters are driving out from behind instead of stepping through into a weight-bearing position. And that's what creates the hollowness of the back. So if you can picture if you were on all fours and your balance was in your arms, like your forearms, and you had somebody sitting on your back, and you didn't have your legs stacked underneath you, you had your legs like spread out a little bit, you can imagine how the weight of the person sitting on your back would make your back sag. That's what hollowness is. And then so you're kind of going to lift your neck to try and brace your back to prevent like, um, you know, your back getting super weak or strained. But all that does is tighten and strain your back even more. So think about how you could adjust your balance to try and support that person on your back a little bit better. Let's push off your shoulders a little bit, shift your balance into your legs so that you've got more of your weight distributed into your legs. And then you're going to engage your stomach muscles, your core, and then you're going to engage the muscles of your spine by tucking your nose in to lengthen your neck and your back. Now you have to move. <laughs> so now your person on your back is asking you to walk, trot, canter, turn, stop, spin, jump, you know, all of the other things that we ask of our horse. So there is a way of asking our horse to engage their posture so that they actually like push up into us and carry us, actively engage their postural muscles to carry us. And it's not done by asking them to just tuck their nose in. And so this is one of the biggest things that absolutely drives me batty about the horse industry is that, you know, all of our judges are going to be reinforcing and rewarding our riders for the frame from the neck, not from how well the horse engages its posture because to be honest it's hard to see it's hard to recognize and a lot of judges do really enjoy looking at a horse with an arched neck because it's pretty and for flashy front end movement even if it is dysfunctional and it creates unsoundness and potentially broken down horses so our job is to be advocates for our horses and say, you know, soundness and posture first, ribbon second, and to work our horse in a way that we're not just going to seesaw on their mouth, flex the 
the bit so that it tucks their nose behind the contact, hold them in a false frame just to get the ribbons, but we're actually going to have hands that our horse can trust and ask for acceptance of contact so that they work through to and seek our hands for guidance. And then learn how to actually stack our horse's posture properly so that they can carry us. And so then we're working them for a nice, long, healthy career carrying us rather than short-term gains from, you know, going out to competitions and whatnot. So let's go back to that green horse. I know we've covered a lot already. We've got a horse that has its balance distributed onto its shoulders under neck is engaged and the hindquarters are pushing out from behind and so it's bracing itself to hold us by tensing its neck and then um, that's what's creating hollowness through the back. So there is a way of moving our horses through the training scale. This is what dressage is supposed to be where you are complementing your exercises to shift the balance off the forehand into the hindquarters to develop the strength of the postural muscles as well as the suppleness of the postural muscles to create that alignment and that balance but also to increase their maneuverability to do you know the more difficult uh, lateral movements as we move higher up through the training scale. So when we are working on these exercises, you need to be able to really confidently assess uh, how to complement these exercises. We've got our squat work, which is, um, you know, rain back, rain back over pole transitions. We've got our push-ups, which is our long and low up to our working frame stacking our posture our horse's posture for straightness and alignment having contact our horse can trust so that we're not throwing them off balance steering from our legs instead of our reins plus transitions poles grids hacking out and then we've got our suppling exercises which is our lateral work if we do too much suppling lateral work without complementing it with the strength building push-ups and squats then we're going to have a horse with a supple top line that is too weak to actively hold us as the rider if we do too much strength building exercises like grids poles transitions uh, rein back without complementing it with the lateral and the long and low then we're going to have a horse that has, um, you know, possibly a strong back, but it's going to be a strong, tight back where the horse is still working on the forehand and uh, they're still hollow because of how tight their back is and how they're bracing against us. So then add to this our frustration as a rider when we're getting critiqued by our instructors or judges or whatnot saying more frame, more bend, more forward, deeper frame, deeper, 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 and us going, duh, I just need to like get a rounder frame and everything will be amazing. Uh, then we're going to tuck our horse's nose behind the bit. They're going to flex away at the third vertebrae, which is going to keep them on the forehand. So they're balanced on their forehand, they're disengaged behind, they're balancing in their forehand and under neck, 
they're hollow through their back and all we are doing is tucking their nose in deeper. So we're creating more dysfunction to complement the unbalanced <laughs> that our horse has, the unbalancedness that our horse has. So this is what um, you know I show in our YouTube training how to ride your horse on the bit that we have in the show notes complementing this podcast is what it looks like to use your exercises in a way that work your horse for postural alignment and stacking so that it creates roundedness of the back into the contact so we should what like the posture should do is we should have equal engagement to lift of the forehand to frame. What often happens is we have more engagement of the hindquarters so we end up creating rotation of the pelvis instead of deeper sit through the hindquarters and weight bearing through the hindquarters. And so then the balance stays on the forehand and so then we have zero lift basically so the horse isn't picking itself up it's just dragging itself along with its shoulders and then we have too deep of a frame so we've created the suppleness without the strength without the lift of the forehand without the impulsion and this is what's going to get us stuck because if we've done this in our you know baby intro basics like our 20 meter circles how are you going to communicate uphill to contact for leg yield, for collection, for a shoulder in, for travers, for half pass, you know, for shortening and lengthening the strides? You have no way because all you've done is tucked your horse's nose to bit pressure and now all they know is to tuck deeper to bit pressure or to fight your hands. So this is what, um, you know, we try to teach you uh, in our lessons <laughs> in the school but it's also what we do in our membership writing for self-carriage where we have the lesson plans laid out for you so that you can know how to feel okay my horse is a little strung out it's a little on the forehand uh, maybe I need to do some stacking maybe I need to do transitions uh, or you can feel like your horse is a little bit tight, um, locking its jaw or its neck against the contact, recognizing maybe I need to do some lateral work. So it's being able to confidently assess how your horse is working to decide if, you know, today you need to do more lateral work or you might need to do more push-up work or you might need to do more squat work. So that we have a connectedness of the top line from the hindquarters through to the hands. And so that our bit pressure isn't communicating tuck your nose behind the bit. Your bit pressure is communicating sit deeper through the hindquarters. When our bit pressure communicates sit deeper, then we're not going to get stuck when we're trying to progress into the harder movements. And that is where our holy grail of inside leg to outside rein is. That is, um, you know, the, the bee's knees of dressage training. So that is what we're trying to achieve when we're riding inside leg to outside rein. The outside rein is asking the inside hind to sit deeper. As the horse gets more into its haunches, we're also riding them through to our hands. So we're asking them to stack their posture 
and seek the contact and that's what creates the roundedness through the whole of the horse's body instead of just um, the roundedness of the neck and so it can be like you can be forgiven for thinking that the rounded neck roundedness of the neck is what we're trying to achieve because quite often like our judges and instructors and whatnot are rewarding riders for just the roundedness of the neck but if you're wanting to ride your horse for connection you're wanting to um, have a horse that you can scale through the levels of dressage training you want to have a horse that is working functionally then you're looking for roundedness of the horse's body as a whole and the connectedness of the hindquarters to the hands and equal engagement to impulsion to frame. And so this is what we teach and we show you in our membership Riding for Self-Carriage. We show you what it looks like. We're starting the horses from hollow, um, one horse from working behind the bit, but the rest of them from working hollow and above the bit. We teach you how to develop acceptance of contact, how to get hands that our horse trusts, how to get them to seek the contact so that they work through to contact, and then how to complement the exercises to work through the training scale to develop engagement, th engagement, throughness, relaxation, and swing so that you're not going to get like you're not going to be on a twenty-meter circle for the next five years thinking why am I going round and round in circles? You're not going to uh, get stuck in you know your in your leg yields in in novice and lengthening thinking I'm never going to be able to move out of this into collected work because we're gonna fix all the problems before they have them with super effective and efficient cue training and communication through bit pressure instead of just submission to the bit and by complementing the exercises so that you're developing your horse for strength, soundness, suppleness, relaxation and swing. One of the things that I tell my students is once you understand how to put your horse's nose onto bit, it's super easy. Like you, we can spend years, you know, fighting with this principle and fighting with our horse to tuck its nose. But once you understand how to get a horse to tuck its nose, it's super easy. And then, you know, the competitiveness against all of the other people that know how to tuck a horse's nose isn't in how well you can tuck your horse's nose, but how well you can ask for a frame without being of the detriment to the horse's movement. So just listen to that one again. Asking your horses for a frame should improve their athleticism and their movement. That is what impulsion is. If we stack our horse's body properly into contact, into a frame, it frees up the horse's forehand so that there is more expression through the chest and shoulders. If you don't understand this, go and have a look at the video training on YouTube that I've done with Hunter. You can see the difference between a horse that's pulling on the forehand and has tucked its nose and a horse that is working through to contact and has is developing throughness towards impulsion. That means that we're not going to get stuck when we're working towards collection. So the horses that just tuck their nose without stacking their posture stay on the forehand and then you uh, have confusing aids of like how do we develop forwardness with the bit pressure to hold them in the frame. 
So then you might lose forwardness, but then if you manage to figure out how to ride forwardness into contact, then you'll have things like lacking impulsion, horse on the forehand, um, horse not working, even those kinds of things. So if you want to understand the incredibly complex foundations of stacking a horse's posture and not just tucking their nose onto the bit. Uh, definitely have a look at the YouTube training that we've done for this. And then um, if you want it laid out for you, ready to apply, go over to our, go check out our membership www.equestrianmovement.com forward slash riding for soundness and the link for that will be in the bio. Until next week, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that pain-based submission training for control is the worst way to train a safe horse that wants to look after you. If you're working with or around horses, you'll know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking that the bit is for controlling the horse and asking them into a frame before they are ready. If you're not doing the work to help your horse manage stress and pressure to emotionally self-regulate, if you're not doing the work to understand how to clearly communicate with each other and cue words in, your riding will plateau and you'll find yourself going round in circles both literally and figuratively with only glimpses of that beautiful unicorn moment which is the union of our dancing souls in harmony. That's why we've created our new free training and workshop, Stop Drilling 20 Meter Circles. In this course, we teach you how to move forward in your training by getting off the 20 meter circle, getting clear in your communication, feel, and how to use your seat. If you're ready to get some big aha moments and riding breakthroughs, if you're wanting to establish connection in the saddle but stuck and feeling unsure on what to do next, asking yourself, why does my horse do dot dot dot, or how can I recognize if my horse doesn't have enough muscle to work well, and just spinning your wheels, trying to figure out which exercise to choose to help move yourself and your horse forward to become more athletic, or make their work more efficient, Check out our free training www.equestriummovement.com forward slash stop drilling circles and I will uncover the secrets to develop connection in the saddle, feel and how to use your seat.